You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is What Are We Doing with the Health Message, Episode 2 with Walt Cross. Good afternoon, y'all. Are you enjoying this weather? Isn't it beautiful here? Just wait, I just plumb you. Beautiful. Well, I'd like Robert to come back out and help me out. <clears throat> the human body has trillions of cells. Actually, some say 100, over 100 trillion cells. And what determines the quality of the cells in Robert's body is what? The blood. The blood is the fuel that runs his body. And there's two key, three keys that I look at for that blood. The first thing is, is we don't want to put bad stuff in the blood. Now, who has been on a mission trip? Okay, I'll be in Africa in two weeks. And if you're, let's say you're, where did you go, Robert? Philippines. Philippines, okay. Was there any, as you're there sharing Christ with the people, were there any kind of uh, rivers going through with, Oxen and cows and urine and feces and whatever? Yes, they were. Okay, and so let's say you wanted to wash that beautiful blue shirt and you took your Tide or whatever washing detergent you had and you took it out there and you washed it real good to clean it up and rinsed it in that nasty urine feces water. Is it going to still have urine feces in it? Yes. Yes. So first key is, as we look at the blood, we don't want bad stuff to go in the blood. Does that make sense? Okay. The second thing is we want to make sure what goes in the blood is what it takes to run Robert's body. It takes, it takes um, fats, proteins, complex carbohydrates. One well, nutrition class, they told us carbohydrates, but I like complex carbohydrates. It takes vitamins, which are the catalysts that make the fats, proteins, and complex carbohydrates carbohydrates to work. Those guys, when running on eight cylinders, they work these guys on eight cylinders. But it takes something before that. It takes uh, minerals. Minerals have to be on eight cylinders to make vitamins run on eight cylinders. They're both catalysts. Then it makes fats, proteins, complex carbohydrates work. But then it takes oxygen. It takes water. It takes hormones. It, the stuff that it takes must be in that blood or you just don't run right. But also, perfect health is perfect Circulation. So also, we need quality blood, but we need blood that runs well. It moves well. It perfuses well into his tissue. We have microcirculation. Now, we talked about the bad stuff that doesn't need to be in there. So how, to, how do we make sure that there's not bad stuff goes in there, but the good stuff goes in there? And so what you stick in there. It's what you breathe here. And so it's what you eat, what you drink. We talked about that last night, didn't we? It's what you breathe. So let's say Robert eats a Twinkie. Robert's got Twinkie blood. Robert's got a Twinkie brain. <laughs> Robert eats chickens. Ch Robert's got chicken blood. Robert's got chicken brains. <laughs> Do you see how it works? We are what we eat. It's very, very important. Let's take it a step further. Who wants to be smart and bright and not forget where you put your keys? Yeah, but even more important, what did we just talk about? 
Distractions. Did we just talk about distractions? Is that what Elder Bach just talked about? Satan puts all kinds of distractions in front of us in order for us to discern, to communicate with God, as we talked about yesterday, what's the most important organ in the body? The brain. And why? Because it's how we communicate with God. It's how we hear the Holy Spirit. It's how we do that communication that Elder Weiss was just talking about, where we talk to God. If that is not clear, if, that is, if the brain is not running well, functioning well, could there be a problem with discerning those distractions that Elder Weiss just talked about? Absolutely. Satan is going to throw everything at us that he can. We're talking about preparing the brain for battle. In order for Robert's brain to deal with the influence of Satan, does his brain have to be working well? Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. A couple weeks ago, I was flying through Chicago. I try not to fly through Chicago because in the wintertime I might get stuck. Or one time I was flying out and, and the pilot is were as the gear is coming up, he says, oh, by the way, over the loudspeaker, we're the last plane that was cleared to leave because the icing is so bad. And I was right on the wing and I was looking out to see how is our icing situation. Or in the summertime, I've been stuck there because of bad storms. Well, I'd gone out to California to speak and I was coming back from Sacramento and I went through Chicago. Now, normally I tell Walter, don't schedule me through Chicago. But this time he said, Dad, there's a big savings. If we go through Chicago, what should we do? I said, let's do it. I said, I don't want to get stuck there for a while. But I believe God sent me through Chicago to hear this statement. <clears throat> I got off the plane. I went over and I plugged in my cell phone to charge it up so I could let Mary Lou know that I was in Chicago. And um, then I, when I'd leave, go head on into Knoxville. And as I was standing there charging my phone on the, at this bench thing, there was a man standing beside me and he was on the phone and he was, he was from England and he and his crew had just come over to America uh, to fix a highfalutin machine that was over in Colorado at a factory, a very, very expensive machine that had quit working because of poor preventive maintenance. Anybody work in maintenance or industry and know how important it is for preventive maintenance? The machine was not working well. So he's on the phone with England and he says, you can buy a Rolls Royce, but if you treat it like a clunker, you got a clunker. If you treat it like a clunker, you've got a clunker. I believe that God developed our bodies as Rolls Royces. Would you agree? But if we treat it like a clunker, are we still a Rolls Royce? No. So let's take a look here. What is he talking about? So here is the platinum solid gold Rolls Royce. What do you think it costs? How about $8.5 million? $8.5 million. Well, that's a pretty cheap car. You've got the uh, Bugatti here. This Bugatti, it's got a price tag of $18.9 million. Do you think that they're going to take care of those cars? Are they going to do good preventive maintenance on those cars? God 
created you much more valuable than that Bugatti. Would you agree? So is it important that we do good preventive maintenance on the human body that God gave you to take care of? I do a lot of prevention and I believe in prevention. And that's what we're talking about here today, uh, preparing for the brain uh, for battle. And I do prevention. I go into the school systems and in the United States, I don't know what it's like here in Canada. I started firefighting in 1980. And since 1980, we have a, a significant amount of or significant less amount of structure fires, home residential fires than we used to. According to the United States Fire Administration, that's because of two things, building codes and following building codes. And the other is where we go into the school system every October for fire prevention month. That's when Mrs. O'Lear's cow kicked over the, um, the, the lantern and caught Chicago on fire, supposedly. But anyway, we go into the school system and we go in and we teach each classroom fire safety, fire prevention. We teach them stop, drop, and roll in case there's a fire. If you catch on fire, how do you get out? That is preparing for what? A house fire. We teach them how to do home evacuation plans. Very, very important. And because of this education that we do, going into the school system, we have less structure fires because these little guys grow up. I remember when I was in elementary school and the fire department would come and teach us about don't put a, an extension cord underneath the rug because as you go across numerous times, it's going to chafe that extension cord and then could cause a short and cause a, the rug to catch on fire, then cause the house to catch on fire. So we go in and we teach the kids uh, when we're coming in, we're preparing those kids. If there is a fire, our firefighters come in. And when we're coming in and, and we have those masks on and we're, we're breathing, uh, these guys don't have their SCBAs on, but uh, usually I'll send them in with their air packs on, they're breathing and they look like some monster looking guy. He's okay. Don't run. Don't go hide under the bed. That's where kids go. Don't go hide in the closet. It's okay. We're coming to get you. Uh, and then we have fun with the kids and we teach them about what we do and fire prevention. But I want the kids to be comfortable with our firefighters when we come to rescue them. I'm preparing them for if we have to come get them out of a house fire. Now, this is a car wreck that I worked, and let's say that we got there and we had not prepared on how to use Jaws of Life. And we got off the truck, this person's in the car, uh, this uh, just gentleman's driving, his wife is in the other side, and he ran off the road and he's significantly injured. Uh, we had to rip the door open to be able to get him out. But let's say we had not prepared on how to use Jaws of Life, or may not even had Jaws of Life. Could we have ripped that door open to get that guy out? It would have been very difficult. Or let's say this situation, uh, this is a car that's sitting in the river, it's in the Pigeon River there in the rapids, and this family was driving from North Carolina, and a little girl who just got her driver's license, and she was driving down the road a little too fast and lost control and just launched into the river. Mom, dad, she and her siblings. Do we need to prepare how to do rescue like that? In order for the fire department to be effective, we have to prepare. Let's say there's a house fire. You come up on the scene, we got this officer who just did a 360 to see if there's any other structures, if there's someone hanging out the back window of the house saying, help, 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 I'm upstairs. Or maybe there's uh, propane tanks back there. And now you've got to figure out, I've got to go inside that house fire, put that fire out. If you haven't prepared, would you run in there? 
You have to have preparation to do that. So this morning I'd like to look is how to prepare the brain for battle. The battle that Elder Vyth was just talking about. Do we need to prepare the brain for that? Absolutely we do. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us so much information in your word. We thank you for your patience, for your love. Lord, help us to stand up as we talked about yesterday. Stand up and get moving. Do something. Prepare for this time to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to look at in how to prepare the brain, how to prepare the brain for battle. The first thing is the fuel. What is the fuel that you're putting in that brain? Now, this is a car, a fellow who comes to the store. When he first bought that car, it had, um, he bought it, it, had a, it was a little tweaked. I think it came stock with 700 and some horsepower. He ended up tweaking it up to 800 and horsepower. And then he sent it off to a guy in Randall, in, in, um, outside of Randleman, North Carolina, Level Cross. Does anybody know who lives in Level Cross, North Carolina? I'm not in the South. Richard Petty. So he sends it to Mr. Richard Petty. Has anybody ever heard of Richard Petty? Okay. So he sends his car to Mr. Petty, and Mr. Petty cranks it up between what he does with the engine and what he does with the NOS in the back. The car has 1,440-some horsepower. Well, that's not enough for this man who's 80-some years old. He wants a little more. And so he sends it off again, and... Uh, now it has right around 1,500, a little more than 1,500 horsepower. But the last time Mr. Petty's crew tweaked this car to Mr. Petty, they said, we can't do any more to this, sir. <laughs> You're going to have to use 116 octane. 116 octane. That's racing fuel. They said, you cannot pull up to the gas pump and put regular, medium, or high test in there. It has to be racing fuel. If you put anything less, this car will not run. It just it won't run. So let's look at this car. It's an S-Class uh, Mercedes-Benz. Let's look at the owner's manual. Does the owner's manual have anything to say about fuel? Well, let's look. Note, damage caused by the wrong fuel. S even small amounts of the wrong fuel could result in damage to the fuel system the engine, and the emission control system. Never, never refuel using diesel, gasoline more than 10% ethanol, more than 3% methanol, additives containing metal. Now get this, get this, y'all. According to Mercedes, if you accidentally refuel the, with the wrong fuel, do not switch the engine on. You think our manual should have said that? <laughs> if you sit down and someone gave you a Twinkie, don't switch the engine on. Pump it out. If you accidentally refuel with the wrong, uh, refuel with the wrong fuel, do not switch the engine on. Uh, consult a qualified specialist workshop, and what are they going to do? Pump it out. And not even run it through that engine. What's it say here? Even small amounts of the wrong fuel could result in damage to the fuel system and the engine. Get this. The repair costs are high. Is the repair cost for the Twinkie high? 
Is the repair cost for the biscuits and gravy high? Is the, bis- is the repair cost for the hog jowl and chitlins high? Absolutely. Now, I don't know, y'all eat hog jowl and chitlins up here in Canada? No, okay. The brain is the organ and instrument of the mind. We read this yesterday and controls the whole body. In order for the other parts of the system to be healthy, the brain must be healthy. In order for the brain to be healthy, the blood must be pure. If by correct habits of eating and drinking, the blood is kept pure, the brain will be properly nourished. And again, we read this yesterday. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Did our manual, what's the best manual we have? The Bible. Did God address what we eat? He sure did. And so just as that Mercedes said, if you pull up to the table and you put the wrong fuel in, don't crank the engine, pump it out. Or just don't stick the wrong fuel in it because it will affect your brain. It will affect your discernment with God. Think about it. Your brain is always on. I'm reading from Harvard University. Y'all know that little community college we have down in the United States? Think about it. Your brain is always on. It takes care of your thoughts and movements, your breathing and heartbeat, your senses. It works 24-7 even while you're asleep. This means your brain requires a constant supply of fuel. That fuel comes from the food you eat. And what's in that fuel makes all the difference. Put simply, what you eat directly affects the structure and function of your brain and ultimately your mood. Harvard continues, like an expensive car, your brain functions best when it gets only, only premium fuel. Twinkies do not fall under premium fuel. Donuts do not fall under premium fuel. And you say, well, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a plant-based. Plant-based can do Fruit Loops. Did you know that? Plant-based can do Oreos. But they're not whole food plant-based. Eating high quality of foods that contain lots of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants nourish the brain, nourishes the brain, and protects it from oxidative stress, the waste free radicals produced when the body uses oxygen, which can damage cells. Unfortunately, just like an expensive car, your brain can be damaged if you ingest anything, anything other than premium fuel. I mean, the rocks are crying out here, y'all. If substances from a low premium fuel, such as what you get from processed or refined foods, get to the brain, it has little ability to get rid of them, Harvard says. Diets high in refined sugars, for example, are harmful to the brain. In addition to worsening your body's regulation of insulin, they also promote inflammation and oxidative stress. Now, inflammation is required. I was speaking with a physician the other day, and, um, and we were talking about inflammation. Inflammation is huge out there. Would you agree? Many health issues. Inflammation. Itises. You want me to share a new itis out there? There's a new itis out there. It just came out. It was actually a, 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 a diagnosis that came out in 2019. They started talking about it in 2014, but psychologists have come out with a new uh, diagnosis for when people do this. 
more than three times a day. They say that just ain't right. And they call it self-itis, inflammation of self. I'm telling you the truth. It is go, go bing it. I don't do Google anymore. I don't like Google. Uh, bing it. And, and look at it. It will tell you what self-itis is. And it's really a diagnosis that psychologists have come up with. Inflammation of self. So inflammation is a huge issue out there. But as I was talking to this person, we can't just plumb get rid of inflammation. Because if I have a cut and if I don't have inflammation, it's going to fester. It will not heal. We have to have the right amount of inflammation, just like we have to have the right amount of cholesterol. You can't be just zero cholesterol. You ain't going to work right. Well, you're not going to work right if you don't have some inflammation. But just like cholesterol, if you have too much, too much inflammation causes many, many problems. And, and it's huge issues out there today. Well, how do we get inflammation? Many ways. We're not talking about inflammation, but one of them is that we're talking about. In addition to worsening the body's regulatory regulation of insulin, they also promote inflammation. So refined foods, processed foods causes inflammation and oxidative stress. Multiple studies have found a correlation between a diet and uh, high in refined sugars and impaired brain function. A diet high in refined sugars and impaired brain function. You know, in the South, anybody grew up in the South? Okay, okay, some folks understand me. There was always dessert for dinner and for supper. <laughs> you might even have it for breakfast. I mean, grandmothers were the best pie makers, the best cake makers. We ate so much desserts when I was a kid. I was just part of Southern. Research has found a correlation between a high diet and refined sugars and impaired brain function. And even a worsening of symptoms of mood disorders and, such as depression. You're going to hear these guys talk about mood a lot. And if you know anybody who's got mood issues, they haven't watched this. It makes sense. If your brain is deprived of good quality nutrition or if free radicals are damaging the inflammatory cells or circulating within the brain's enclosed space, further uh, contributing to the brain's tissue injury, consequences are to be expected. What's interesting is that for many years, the medical field did not fully acknowledge a connection between mood and food. Harvard, finally admitting there's a, there's a correlation between food. Several years ago, I took my dad. <clears throat> dad came to stay with me for about six months. Um, dad has historically had cardiac issues. Um, and after six months, he was off pretty well off with all of his cardiac scripts, if not all of them. And I took him back to Nashville to see his cardiologist. And as he went in, uh, he had to fill out some paper before he went in and ask what meds he was currently taking, whatever. And the doc, he sits down with his physician. And he's only in his 40s. And he sits there and he looks and he says, Mr. Cross, it looks like uh, you're not taking your cardiac meds anymore. Dad goes, no, I'm doing a lot better. I'm, I'm not taking them. Uh, my son, he does lifestyle. And so I found I don't need those cardiac meds. And the cardiologist looks at him and he says, Mr. Cross, this office does not deal in lifestyle. We only deal in prescriptions. And I wanted to say, Dad, it's time to go. You need a new cardiologist. What's inter interesting is that for many years, the medical field did not fully acknowledge the connection between mood and food. Today, fortunately, the field of nutrition 
nutritional psychiatry is finding there are many consequences and correlations between not only what you eat, how you feel, and how you ultimately behave, but also the kinds of bacteria that live in your gut. And if you want to see some new research out there that Harvard, MIT, that's that last bit right there, bacteria living in your gut. There's some huge, huge research coming out there. Pay attention. Anybody ever written on one of these? We've got one over in Dollywood. And what if he didn't put coal in there, he put toilet paper? Or maybe newspapers or pallets. And even coal, did you know coal has different BTUs? It's not just any old coal that these guys put in there. They put high quality coal that, has, that produces high BTUs in order to run that steam train. The coal that you put in you determines how well you run. Have you ever heard of empty calories? Have you ever heard of nutrition-dense food? It makes a huge difference which one you put in. My son Walter called, called me yesterday morning. I was here. He called me and uh, he said, Dad, he says, there's a lady and um, she's doing the juice, but she says she, it's just filling her up. And she's kind of a big lady. I said, it's okay, Walter. That happens. I had a lady come in. She was 400 and some pounds, right at 400 pounds. And this lady loved to eat, loved to eat. And she, wanted, she came in and she had diabetes, some cardiac issues, and she wanted to lose weight. So I encouraged her to do the juicing, and I encouraged her to do 16 ounces of breakfast, dinner, and supper. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if that's enough. And so I said, if you need another one, go ahead. So this lady's a big lady and she eats a lot. She likes to eat. She comes in the next day and she says, Walt, do I have to drink all three of those? I said, no, you can drink two if you want to. You can do breakfast and dinner, dinner being the noon meal. And that be it. Next day she comes in, she says, that works. Why? It was nutrition dense. It wasn't empty calories that are in the Fruit Loops, the donuts, the pizza. The, the, the chips that, you know what I'm talking about, that they eat, the soft drinks, empty calories. What are some good fuel? Avocados. They tell us that avocados are the brain, best brain food. Avocados, we're told, are possibly the best brain food. Uh, beets, blueberries, broccoli, celery, green leafy vegetables, rosemary, turmeric, Potatoes, uh, asparagus, walnuts. How would you like that prescription for brain health? Yeah. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Now, the WHO and CDC identified the second key that's required for good brain function. I was traveling up to Virginia several years ago, and I, I like listening to ReachMD to learn new cutting-edge information. A lot of times it's on pharmaceuticals, and that's fine to learn about them, but I want to learn about, is there new science that, about physiology that they're sharing out there? And WHO, World Health Organization, asked every physician in the world to prescribe this new medication. 
And if every physician in the world could get every patient in the world to take this new medication, they could save at least 4 million lives a year. Medication. WHO asked the CDC to also the, then to ask every physician in the United States to prescribe this new medication to every one of their patients. Would you like to know what this medication was? Exercise. They called it exercise. Psychology Today reports, neuroscientists around the globe agree that physical activity is the best medicine, there it is again, to maintain brain health throughout one's lifespan. Physical activity, exercise, is the best medication to maintain brain health throughout one's lifespan. Side effects, expensive, donut hole. I don't know if y'all here in Canada don't have donut holes. Y'all Americans know what donut holes are if you have insurance. Exercise improves the structure, function, and connectivity of your brain. Again, Psychology Day reports there are many reasons that exercise is good for your brain. These include increased blood flow, which improves uh, cerebrovascular health, reduces neurotropic factor like BDNF, which stimulates the growth of new neurons, and benefits the glucose and lipid metabolism, which brings nourishment to the brain. People who regularly perform aerobic exercise, such as running, jogging, brisk walking, swimming, cycling, have greater scores on neuropsychological function and performance tests that measure certain cognitive functions. The transient effect of exercise on cognition include improvement in the most executive functions, such as attention, working memory, and cognitive flexibility, and inhibitory control, and problem solving, and decision making the transient effects of exercise on, cognitive, on cognition, and information processing speed for a period of up to two hours after exercising. I remember my first notebook computer. I got it from corporate. Prior to getting a computer, we had to do budgets on these long sheets. Y'all remember those? Anybody in accounting or anything like that? It's a big old sheet of paper, and we did it in pencil. And everything in healthcare is based on cost per patient day or revenue per patient day. And so you would, every cost, so it's uh, say X dollars per patient day on pharmaceutical, you know, on uh, you know, let's say uh, medical supplies or on raw food or whatever it may be. Hours per patient day for empl employee labor. And she filled this whole thing out and it took about two weeks of about 60 hour, 70 hour days to do this. And then you go to corporate office and you would present your budget and corporate would say, no, I want to, we want some more profit. So let's change this and change this and reduce this private and increase this private insurance or this Medicare or whatever by one day, two days, whatever. And I had to go back to the office and that took about a week to change all those numbers. And then we got computers. And I remember my first notebook, I went to corporate and they were teaching us how to use it. And with huge spreadsheets, <clears throat> Lotus, remember Lotus? This was before WheezyWig. What you see is what you get. Remember WheezyWig? I think that was Lotus 3. This was Lotus 1. 
And uh, so we put all our numbers in and then we hit, what was it, F8, F7, one of those. And we waited a minute for it to calculate. It was a huge spreadsheet sheet. And I noticed my buddy sitting beside me from Durham, North Carolina. He, is, he was administrator over there. And, <clears throat> I mean, maybe five seconds and he was done. Three to five seconds. I just watched it. And we continued on and, and we put more things in the computer and the instructor said, okay, let's calculate. And we hit the F key and how fast is it taking Raleigh here? Boom, it's done. Still, it was taking me nearly a minute. And I said, what'd you do? What? I said, yours is screaming. It's only taking about five seconds to calculate everything. He said, I don't know. I said, you did something. He says, well, I put a new chip in it, memory chip. RAM, how shall I say. He increased the RAM. See, they gave us two RAM. And he both, I mean, he really torqued his up. He put four RAM in his. He doubled it. Can you imagine? Just four RAM. <laughs> but it was screaming. Activity. Exercise. The information processing speed for a period of up to two hours increases after exercise. Have you ever tried to think of something and it just... You can't remember it? It's a little slow? Try exercise to increase that processing speed. Again, let's go back to the steam train. What's another thing that's required? You put coal in it and you also put water. Water's very important for a steam train. It just don't run right without water. Our brains depend on proper hydration to function optimally. Brain cells require, require a delicate balance between water and various elements to operate. And when you lose too much water, that balance is disrupted. Your brain cells lose efficiency. Years of research have found that when we're parched, dehydrated, we have more difficulty uh, keeping our attention focused. Dehydration can impair short-term memory function and recall of long-term memory. The ability to perform mental arithmetic, like calculating whether or not you'll be late for work if you hit the snooze button for another 15 minutes, is compromised when you, your fluids are low. Psychology today. The effects of dehydration on brain function depends on the severity of dehydration. Mild dehydration may adversely affect mood, energy levels, or ability to concentrate. Just mild dehydration, according to Psych Central. Mayo Clinic says severe or prolonged dehydration may cause serious cognitive impairment, delirium, parchment, uh, permanent brain damage, or death. I have people who come in, and one of the questions I ask them is, I used to say, do you drink enough water? Or you drink a lot of water? No. How much water do you drink? Well, I drink a lot. Well, how many ounces do you drink? Well, I, I drink, I don't know, a cup and a half, a cup. Or I have people tell me, I don't do water. You don't do water? No, I don't like the taste of it. Well, but I do, I do coffee. Did you know that coffee, it takes, they tell us somewhere around five to seven cups. I've read different things. We'll say five to me. Five cups of water to, to replace one cup of coffee of what the, that process does. Same thing with a Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew or Sprite. Or, or one that has caffeine in it. Maybe Sprite don't have caffeine, I don't know. But Mountain Dew or, or Coca-Cola or Pepsi. This will tell you where I live. 
I have some people say, can I count my moonshine? Literally, they all ask me, can I count my moonshine? And moonshine's become very, very popular in Tennessee because it's been legalized. Uh, you, I mean, when I was a kid, moonsh- uh, revenues, they, they didn't last too long. Um, but um, today, it's a source of revenue for the state of Tennessee, like marijuana is for Colorado. And so now Tennessee loves moonshine because it brings money into the state's coffers. And so we see a lot, lot more moonshine drinking and what folks were doing, being able to do. A mere 2% drop in body water can trigger fuzzy short-term memory, trouble with basic math. It's interesting, this study took kids and they had the kids do math class, uh, test, and fully hydrated, and then they had the kids do it when they were just 2%, 2 to 3% dehydrated. They scored significantly less on the, uh, on the test. And difficulty focusing on computer screen or on printed page. Batman Jotty, who's ever read Your Body's Many Cries for Water? If you haven't, I encourage you to read it. Excellent book. I know I, I slaughtered his name, but he's Indian. Dr. Batman. Yeah, Dr. Batman, people call him. Every function inside the body is, re- is regulated by and depends on water. Every function inside the body is regulated by and depends on water. Water must be available to carry vital elements, oxygen, hormones, and chemical messengers to all parts of the body. See, our, our water in our blood is the train car that carries the nutrients. You got to have water. Water is critical. People come in and I say, I mean, I, I live in the country. Uh, a lot of farming people used to be, or, or they are. And I ask them, what do cows drink? Water. What do horses drink? Water. What's your dog drink? Water. Do you, and, and I asked, I told a guy the other day, I said, do you think there is a coffee pot in the Garden of Eden? Do you think there's a Mountain Dew machine in the Garden of Eden? And he looked at me like, this is God, he's, this guy's a pretty smart guy. He goes, wow, I've never thought about that. And he came back about a week later and he says, he says, man, what you told me, it was amazing. He says, I told my wife about it. She's telling everybody at work and I'm telling everybody we go out to eat with. And he says, I'd never thought about that. Only water in the Garden of Eden. That's probably all they drank. People just don't think about stuff. Without sufficient water to wet all parts equally, some more remote parts of the body will not receive the vital elements that water supplies. Again, water's a train car. The next law is sunlight. Vitamin D boosts cognitive acceleration. In a study led by scientists at the University of Manchester in England, they looked at vitamin D levels and cognitive performance in more than 3,100 men aged 40 to 79 in eight different countries across Europe. The data showed that those people with lower vitamin D levels exhibited slower cognitive processing speed. They were running on that two meg ram. Now here's a problem for y'all. Y'all Canadians. Right? You're further north. I mean, we got enough problem with it down in Tennessee. But the further north you are, the more problem there is with how long of that vitamin D and where you convert that, that uh, as the ultraviolet light hits the, uh, the skin, converting the cholesterol into vitamin D. 
Vitamin D deficiency is a current epidemic in our society affecting 90% of the world's population. That's just amazing. Is a current epidemic in our society affecting 90% of the world's population. According to vitamin D expert uh, Michael Holick, uh, Holick, we estimate that vitamin D deficiency is the most common medical condition in the world. It is clear that most people are not getting enough sun exposure. Why? Were people created to work in offices and factories or sit in a house and play computers? God created the human being to work outside. That's just how we're made. And that process of being outside all day gives you enough vitamin D to make your body run. Had a doctor send a lady and he said he wanted, to tell, wanted her to um, find out from me what foods that were high in uh, calcium. And for me to tell her not to eat them no more. And I said, why? She says, I have uh, high calcium in my blood. I said, can I look at your, at your, um, your labs? Do you have them with you? I, oh, I do. It's out in the car. Let me look at it. And so she went and got them. I looked and sure enough, her, her calcium was high. And I'm thinking, I sure wish he did a vitamin D. Nothing on page one, nothing on page two. And there it was on page three. Her vitamin D level was seven. Why was her calcium high? She didn't have enough vitamin D to pull it out of the blood and put it into the bones. He addressed the wrong problems. He's used to treating signs and symptoms and not getting to root cause. Vitamin D deficiencies increase brain degenerative processes. I encourage each one of y'all, if you don't know your vitamin D level, go get it. We used to think a 32 was good. Uh, now they say a normal vitamin D is, eight, is 30 to 100, but there's plenty of physicians out there that say it needs to be at least 50 to do the minimum. But a lot of docs out there are wanting it between 80 to 100. Find out what your vitamin D is. It's very, very important for brain function. A study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine showed that those who are classified as deficient in vitamin T were 42% more likely to have cognitive impairment. Meanwhile, those classified as severely deficient were 394% more likely to have cognitive impairment. It's not uncommon for me to see people in single digits in the teens and in the 20s. And they wonder why they just can't think too good. Vitamin D deficiencies increase brain degenerative processes. The odds of cognitive impairment increase as vitamin D levels go down. Uh, says the study author, given that both vitamin D deficiency and dementia are common throughout the world, this is a major public health concern. Serotonin and brain function. Serotonin is an important chemical and neurotransmitter in the human body. It, uh, it is believed to help regulate mood and social behavior, appetite and digestion, sleep, memory, and depression. Deficiency symptoms, poor memory, mood, deficient, uh, difficulty sleeping, poor self-esteem, anxiety, uh, aggression. Let me go back on that. As we look at serotonin, how do we increase serotonin levels? Again, y'all are up north. In the wintertime, what's y'all's problem up here? SAD. Have y'all ever heard of SAD, seasonal you know, like disorder? Um, as sunshine, as ultraviolet light comes through the iris of the eye, it stimulates the pineal gland to convert tryptophan from your flaxseed this morning into serotonin. So you need your flaxseed for breakfast. 
You need sunshine to come through the eyes. A lot of folks only wear sunglasses when they're outside. That's going to mess it up. There's a country in Africa that their, uh, their army, got, army got SAD. Well, how in Africa? They got plenty of sunshine. They had a new uniform policy. They were required to wear sunglasses. They realized what was going on, took the sunglasses off of the soldiers, and boom, they didn't have SAD anymore. Making the right decisions, temperance. Yes, alcohol. Yes, drugs. Yes, tobacco. That's what I learned when I was a kid. Temperance is don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs. If you do that, you're covered. But is there more than that? How about music? Do you need to be temperate, making the right decisions in your music? Can music affect your brain function? Dad's found so in the, in the dairy. When Dad played Elvis, you can tell, I tell you when he's doing it. Dad played Elvis, we got less milk. When Dad played, he was trying to figure out how to get more milk out of the cows, and he tried different music. He tried country music. Hank Williams Sr. didn't do too well. Uh, he tried, um, he tried um, just whatever types of music, but what worked the best was elevator music. Remember elevator music? Classical music. Calm the cows, we got more milk. Music will can make a difference in how well your brain works. How about television? I think we were talking about this this morning. Unless you're watching AD, be careful. We got viewers out there all over the world. Be careful what you watch on your television in your house. Gaming, huge. I encourage you to take a look at Scott Retzman's work. Excellent work. Scott did. Social media, huge. Social media, media is affecting so, so much of our youth and adults from depression and, and brain function. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Again, look at Scott's work. As we grow and develop very specific chemical reactions, activate and deactivate parts of our own, uh, genome at strategic times and specific locations, especially turning on our genes on and off. We talked about epigenetics yesterday morning. Epigenetics is a study of these, pro of these processes and factors that influence them. Huge, huge. Research has identified that what we eat, where we live, how we react, when we sleep, if we exercise and even how we age can affect epigenetics, depending on our behavior, chemical modifications can occur on our DNA that can turn genes on or off over time. These genetic modifications uh, can help keep us healthy or in certain diseases such as cancer or Alzheimer's, these modifications can cause specific genes to turn on uh, an unhealthy state. It's interesting as I look at epigenetics and I look at what they've identified is those eight laws of health. Are you surprised? Are you surprised the rocks are crying out? However, epigenetics is reversible. For example, someone who changes their unhealthy diet to a drastically healthier one, healthier one can alter their epigenetics in a positive way. With an estimated 21,000 genes, the number of different uh, combinations of genes being turned on or off is enormous. Bottom line, we must pay attention to our decisions as to what we eat, where we live, how we behave, and where we go because these decisions can affect our DNA. And people say, uh, how many people come in to see me 
and they want a healthier pill that doesn't have the side effects and they got diabetes or cardiovascular disease or whatever it is and they say, I'm just genetically predisposed. My mama had it, my daddy had it, my granddaddy had it, ain't nothing I can do. Yes, there is. Do what they weren't doing. Change, don't do what they were doing. It is a law of the mind that it gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is trained to dwell. It is a law of the mind that it gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is trained to dwell. Who told us that? God. Do you think that would cause a problem in your car? Y'all know what that is? Chair filter. That would cause some problems. The next one is adequate oxygen. Effects of air pollution on the brain. Children's psychological and motor development is negatively affected. Negatively impacts brain white matter, which affects nerve conduction speed, brain inflammation, negative, uh, negatively affects executive functions such as planning and memory. Folks here AD, do you think they got this problem? No. Why? They obeyed God's word. They left the city. Let me say that again. They left, they obeyed God's word, and they left the city. Isn't that great? Before I came in here today, I walked outside and I took some good breaths. Could I have done that down in L.A.? Could I have done that in New York City? Atlanta? I don't know. Toronto? I don't know. Cognitive impairment? Increased behavioral problems? Why those kids in the city have so much problems? Could be because you pollute them. Crime rates increase. God is good. He's told us where to live. I encourage y'all, if you live in the city, whether you're sitting here or you're listening across the globe, whether you're in Tokyo, whether you're in London, whether you're in wherever it might be, get out of the city, get out of the city, get out of the city. Move to the country. It's phenomenal. Those of y'all who are here that live in the city, you're experiencing the difference while y'all are here. Fresh air has many health benefits, improves the brain's ability to function, gives clarity to the mind, improves concentration, boosts learning abilities, gives a sense of happiness and well-being by altering brain levels of serotonin, promotes quality sleep, kills bacteria and viruses in the air, the next law I'd like to look at is a tough one. Would you agree? There is so much to do, y'all. I was at a friend's funeral who is a tremendous, tremendous fella in keeping the laws of health, but he didn't keep one. And I said, how do you keep saying yes by saying no? How do you keep saying yes by saying no? Can we work ourselves to death? Is there a lot of need? There's a lot of need, y'all. This is a tough one for me. Um, it's huge. And, and I can tell a huge difference when I go to bed by 9 o'clock. Huge difference. A sleepy person's brain works harder and accomplishes less. A single night of poor sleep is linked to less efficient filtering, meaning one's brain has issues picking out important or relevant nuggets of information from all of the insignificant junk one senses absorb. 
Mayo Clinic finds the following on sleep and brain function. Getting at least seven hours of quality rest each night is essential for optimum health. They used to tell it was at least six hours. Now they're telling it, no, that's wrong, at least seven hours. But the Breezel-Bellick study tells us do not sleep over nine hours because you can die quicker if you sleep over nine hours. Sleep provides the foundation of all, all daily act habits and decisions. Let me ask you something. I haven't been using this as much here because I don't have service, but I can text with it to my son. But as I use it today, and it runs out, do I charge it tonight so I can have more power today? I charged it last night so I have plenty of power today. When does the day start? A sunset. That's what the Bible says, from even to even. So our first major event is when? Is what? Sleep. Rest. God gives us rest to the beginning of the day to give us the energy for the day. And many folks have it. Well, I'll get some sleep tonight because, boy, I sure am plumb wore out. No, you should have got your sleep last night so you didn't get plumb wore out today. And then tonight you get plenty of sleep so you're not plumb wore out tomorrow. Sleep deprivation can negatively affect mood, temperament, as well as one's ability to focus on daily tasks. Lack of sleep influences what and how one eats. Sleep allows time for the mind and body to recover from the day's work. During the rapid eye movement, REM stage of sleep, the brain uh, sorts the important information from the unimportant and files long-term memory. You wonder why I just can't remember things anymore. Could be just you didn't you weren't sticking it from the floppy drive to the hard drive. And for our young folks, that's short term to long term. If this stage of the deep uh, sleep cycle, if this stage of sleep cycle is short changed, mental focus and acuity has decreased. What were we talking about when Robert was out here? Brain function, being able to resist Satan's temptations. The the distractions that Dr. Vive talked about. If we don't get sleep, can we do that as well? Sleep deprivation has the propensity to make one feel cranky and short-tempered. I was working an accident on the interstate one night, and the trooper, troopers there, um, uh, uh, Sergeant uh, Jenkins, and I said, Jenkins, what happens if a person's weaving on the road and you find out they're not drunk, but they're just sleepy. He said, I'm throwing them in jail. I said, why? Failure to maintain lane. They're not safe. I'm putting them in jail so they can get some rest before they get out there and kill somebody. Sleeping less than seven hours of sleep, uh, seven hours at night is associated with weight gain. Why can't I lose weight? Maybe you just ain't getting enough sleep. Diabetes, high blood pressure, Depression, body aches, and pains reduces uh, immune function and impaired performance at work. When the body and mind are well rested, one is able to respond to life with greater perspective and understanding. Sleep can help boost one's motivation and willpower, making it easier to fend off what? Temptations. And I did not write this. Look, you'll find out who wrote this. Well, I failed to put it up. That was, that was medical research. Medical research said to fend off temptations. Isn't that interesting? The last one is in God we trust. It's not the last because it's the least. It's the foundation. 
And God we trust. What do you th- where do you think this is? Pardon? It's out of school. Look at this. In every Florida school and administrative building will be required to display in God we trust according to a bill passed by the Florida House on Wednesday. The bill states that the phrase must be displayed in a conspicuous place. In Tennessee, K-12, through public students begin classes next month. The national motto, in God we trust, will be required to be posted somewhere in their schools. My Arkansas schools to display in God we trust, Associated Press. The new law in South Dakota now requires all public schools across the state to feature the In God We Trust motto on display. Kentucky is the latest in the line of states requiring In God We Trust motto in public schools. In America, we put it on our dollar bills. We put it on our coins. We put it on our police cars. We put it on our fire trucks. I'm asking, is, did you put it on you? It's on our police cars, our fire trucks, our money in our schools. But do we put it on us in God we trust? Do you trust in God? That's where it's important. Yes, it's nice to see it on the fire trucks and the the police cars and in the schools. But the biggest thing is, do you trust God? Is it placed on your heart? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Prayer will give a sick, uh, prayer will give the sick an abiding confidence. And many times, if their cases are born to the, uh, to the great physician in humble trust, it will do far more for them than all the drugs that can be administered. And God tells us and said, this is a, this is, this is a promise, y'all. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy, uh, thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and will keep all his statutes, what's the result? I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Is God conditional? We talked about if then yesterday. We talked about if you do this, then this will happen. God is very conditional. If you do those four things, he will not put those on you. Where does the eight laws of health come in? Statutes. But it's not just keeping those eight laws of health. It's also those other three. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's controllables and non-controllables. There's things you can control and there's things you cannot control. The things that you cannot control like stress, give it to God. Make a deal with God and say, God, I can't handle this. Will you take it? And then when Satan comes to you and says, stress over this, stress over this, say, it ain't mine no more, now go and get out of here. Or as I talked about Lydia yesterday, saying, Jesus' name, Satan, get thee behind me. Say it for 20 minutes. He'll get behind you. And the things that you can do, the controllables, take God's hand and do them. But those things you can't do, a lick about and fretting over them and going to do a thing, give it to God and leave it with Him. Trust Him. It's huge. So many sicknesses are worrying over non-controllables. Don't mean you quit praying for them. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own understanding. And at the time shall Michael stand up, that great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. 
And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Y'all, there's going. you think you got it tough now? It ain't nothing. There's a war between God and Satan or Satan and God. Are you ready for that war? Are you ready right now to deal with the challenges? Much less what's about to come. I encourage you, you've got to get ready. It's going to be a time as never before. Thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. So there's a, there's, it has a good ending, but you've got to be written in the book. The brain's got to be good in order to be written in that book. I promise you. For those who are looking for the coming of the Lord, for those who are called the labors of a vineyard, for all who are fitting themselves for a place in the everlasting kingdom, how important that the brain be clear and the body as free as possible from disease. If you want to work for God, if you want to be strong and be able to handle those temptations, when there's a time as never before, you better feel good. Your brain better be working good. Does that make sense? I encourage you all to apply these eight laws of health that God has given us. We take them for granted. Oh, it's just them eight laws of health. No, they're powerful. And science has proven them today. Shall we pray? My dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't need science to prove what you've told me. But Lord, give us that trust that we'll just do it. Lord, we've heard today about the time that we're in, that the time is short. Lord, help us to prepare. Not just for this great time coming. Yes, we need to prepare for that, but to deal with today with what we're having to deal with so we'll be ready for that time that's coming. Lord, help us with that major inflammation, selfitis. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.